Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. By the time we get to the third temptation, it becomes very clear, Satan memorizes scripture. So if the enemy of our souls memorizing scripture, don't you think it would be a good idea for you to know it? And for you to know the context of it, because here's how Satan uses the scripture. He twists it, he distorts it, he pulls from it and gives application that's not consistent with it. In today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message entitled, Overcoming Temptation. Starting today in verse four of Luke four, our Lord shows us how he handled temptation. Yep, Jesus was tempted to sin, yet he was without sin. And seeing his example for us is huge. So let's listen in. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. God's desire is that we live by the word of God. And check this, the seed that brings salvation is a very specific portion of God's word. Christ died for our sins, Paul tells us, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says that's the gospel he preached. That's the gospel that saves. That's the good news. Christ died for our sins. It, it acknowledges we are sinners in need of a savior and he is in fact our savior. He was buried as the proof he was dead. He rose again the third day as the proof that sacrifice was accepted and acceptable. Well, if that's the gospel, and it is, that seed is planted in the hearts of men as we share the good news. And it's why we share it from this pulpit every single week in every single service. Why? We want to make sure that the truth of God's plan for salvation is planted in every heart. Now the harvest is between you and the Lord. You can harden your heart, you can choke out the good seed, you can be you know, caught up and persecuted and fall away, but, but if you let that, that word take root, you will be born again of the Spirit of God. And I know that's the majority of you here, at least I would pray it is today, but you need to know having been born again through the word and by the Spirit, well, God's word then begins to bring nourishment and it sustains us. And we have milk for the babies and we have meat for the mature and we have the bread that Jesus said, pray for daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, Jesus' response and all three of his responses, by the way, come straight out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I know not all of you have read Deuteronomy, but many of you have because we're going through that survey on Wednesday nights. And uh, I want to encourage you that if you know some of the word of God, you're better, than if, better off than if you didn't know it. But, but we really need to know all of the word of God. We need to know it and we need to know it in its context. Well, first of the three quotations is, is going to show us something. Jesus isn't just pulling a verse. He's going to a passage that deals with the temptation at hand. He knows that Satan knows the scripture. Were you aware of that? By the time we get to the third temptation, it becomes very clear. Satan memorizes scripture. So if the enemy of our souls memorizing scripture, don't you think it would be a good idea for you to know it and for you to know the context of it? Because here's how Satan uses the scripture. He twists it, he distorts it, he pulls from it and gives application that's not consistent with it. 
And he uses the word against us. And we'll see, he did it with Jesus, so he'll do it with us. Well, listen, Deuteronomy 8.1, you don't have to turn to it, but I want to read it to you. It was preached by Moses, this whole book of Deuteronomy, at the end of the 40-year trial in the wilderness. But listen to Deuteronomy 8.1, every commandment, which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord God swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God was testing them. The enemy tempts in order to defile and destroy. God tests in order to reveal our hearts and to prove our hearts. And there's a great difference. The enemy's always trying to devastate and destroy. God's always trying to qualify and build up. And, and so he shows us. So here's the point. Jesus chooses a passage well familiar to him and well familiar to the enemy. And he says, hey, my father provided for 40 years to his disobedient Israel in the wilderness. And my father will provide for me now. See the temptation, the test, the suggestion is you're going to have to take care of yourself here. But if he's your heavenly father, man, you can trust him to protect you, to provide for you. And, and he's saying, I fed you. I cared for you. I was there with you that you might know man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. It was as if, as if Jesus was saying, you're tempting me, but that's just not going to happen. I'm trusting in, I'm waiting on my father's provision. Proverbs 30 says, feed me with the food you prescribe for me. So again, we learn from Jesus' example. Fill with the spirit, led of the spirit, a man of the word of God, he not only knew the word, it is written, but, but he applied the word. And this is where it breaks down for so many of us. We read it, we understand it, we can share it with someone else, but when we're faced with a situation or a trial or a temptation, a conflict, that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring to our remembrance his word and we're so freaked out by what we're enduring, what's in front of us, that, that we're not hearing it. Well, we're not applying it. We can't really pull from it. But, but know this, he'll always be bringing to your remembrance the things he's taught you. So how important is, is it that he's actually taught us? Well, we need to know the word then. We need to know what it means and how it relates to the temptation or the test or the situation at hand. We need to know that God has purposed that we live by delighting in and obeying his word. You know, we used to sing a song here. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. And I got to tell you, if that's not true for you, you are in serious danger. If the word of God is not in you, planted within you, and if you're not dwelling on it and delighting in it, the enemy is going to have a heyday when he comes and tempts you. Now, can't be a coincidence. Most of you are familiar with Eve's temptation. The very first temptation in scripture, the very first place where she goes to the tree that's forbidden to her and she sees that that tree is good for food. 
It's, it's the same thing. Jesus needed food. She needed food. Ironically, though, she could eat of any tree and every tree in the garden. There was only one tree forbidden to her. And you need to know it wasn't bad fruit. It was disobedience and rebellion that slew her spiritually. And then it was rebellion on Adam's part as he went with her and partook with her. And, but the point is this. The enemy was trying to get Eve to, to just take what God had forbidden, to do what God had forbidden. And she bought the lion and ate that fruit. He tries the same thing with Jesus. So I'm thinking when the scripture says we're not ignorant of his devices, that means we know his MO. We know how he operates. And so he's going to come and he's not going to always try to get you to do something bizarre or way out of character. He's going to say, hey, you have a legitimate need here. And what's wrong with you taking steps to meet your own need? Well, nothing's wrong with it if God's given you that to do. Man's supposed to work or he's not supposed to eat. The man who doesn't provide for himself and his family is worse than an unbeliever. The scripture says he's denied the faith. So yeah, we're supposed to work and we're supposed to provide. But ultimately, if God says stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, there's only one thing we can do that's not sin. And that's stand still. And that's what this passage is trying to teach us. For Eve, it was failure to obey the Lord. For Jesus, it would have been failure to trust in the Father's provision. Fortunately, that's not an issue because Jesus, well, he's not going to fall for the enemy's deception and temptation. The second temptation there in verse 5, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you in their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now this reveals Satan's ultimate desire. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, those are the two Old Testament passages that speak of the fall of Satan. And basically his desire was to, well, be worshiped as God. He's never changed in his desires. And, and so we see his audacity here and that he's actually asking his creator to bow down and worship him. Can you imagine? That'd be like your kids saying, you need to worship me. You need to respect me. You need to honor me. Hey, kids are saying crazy stuff like that today. Why should I show you respect? You're not showing me any because I'm the dad. But anyway, that's its own story. Well, there's something very practical here. We need to know if we're going to overcome temptation, we need to be not only filled with the Spirit and led of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. We not, need to be not only men and women of the Word, but we need to know the enemy and the source of the attack. See, the first attack was, was in the realm of the flesh. This attack is, is in the, the realm of the eye. He shows him all the kingdoms, all their glory, all their splendor. And he says, listen, here's really the deal he's trying to make. He says, I know what you're here for. You came for all this, right? And I want to tell you, I can get it for you wholesale. And all you need to do is bow down and sign here on the dotted line. Jesus knew he had to serve and suffer and die or you and I would have been lost forever, helpless and hopeless without redemption. And so Jesus isn't going to fall for this one either. But, but the enemy saying, hey, look at all of it. It all belongs to me. I can get it all to you and you can avoid the cross. That's the temptation here. And it's so important that we get this because th this is that picture of the world alluring. Now, Jesus sees more than Satan showing him. 
See, the enemy shows you when he tempts you, he says, man, look at that and just think about it and imagine what it's going to be like. And, and, but he, he never shows you the, the bottom of the whole thing, the, the result of the whole thing. It reminds me when I, I read this illustration, and this is an illustration of Las Vegas. If you've ever driven there at night, you know that when you're driving through that desert and it's just dark and the stars are glorious, if you'll stop and, you know, get off the road and check them out. But most people are, for whatever reason, they're going there, they're in a hurry and they're driving. And so you see the lights and it's all beautiful and glorious and lit up and shiny. And But I want to tell you, the closer you get to the city and the further you get into the city and the more you interact with people in the city, well, you see something far different than what it appears like on the outside. And that's what happens when God looks at individuals. You guys actually paint up pretty good, I want to tell you. I know my eyes are getting bad, so, you know, all of you look better than you probably really do to me. But some of you are still young and you're buff or you're beautiful. And, and, and listen, all of that's well and good. But here's the problem. God sees past the exterior. He sees past the facade and, and he looks at the heart and he looks at the inner person and, and he sees a mess. He sees sin that needs to be confessed and forgiven. He sees all sorts of pain that needs to be just, you know, Lord, forgive me for even, you know, accusing you or, or not, not believing you. And well, he sees what's going on inside of us is the whole point. And when he saw all the glory and all the kingdoms and he hears this, it's all mine. It's been delivered to me. Some have suggested that that's true, that, that Adam sold it all to Satan and he owns it. Well, that may be. But I know the scripture also says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so it may be, as some suggest, that he didn't argue because he knew this was true. It may be that he didn't argue because he's like, are you kidding me? I'm not even going to address that. You own all this? Hey, you're a usurper. You don't own anything. It's God's planet and God's creation. And because I've raised a couple boys and some nieces and nephews and, and uh, because now I have grandsons, you know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, why doesn't God just give them a time out? You know, why didn't he just send them to the corner and say, you just stay right there for a while? Hey, there's good news. If you read Revelation, thousand year time out's coming. And after he gets out, well, he's going to eventually send them to the pit and we will never hear from him again. But but here, here's the temptation. He's like, I can get you all this and you won't have to go to the cross. Note when he says, in verse 8, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Do you know he'll later say this to Peter and it will be in the very same context. Peter will say, when Jesus says we're going up to Jerusalem, I'll be handed over to the chief priests and scribes. I'm going to be crucified but I'll rise again the third day. Peter will get in Jesus' face and say, no way, Lord, this will never happen to you. What's Peter saying? I'm not going to let you go to the cross. I'll be there. I'll protect you that you are not going to the cross, Lord. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You're not savoring the things of God, but the things of men. Now, was he calling Peter Satan? I don't know. Was Satan standing behind Peter whispering in his ear? Perhaps. Or maybe he's just saying that is the, the philosophy, that is the language, that is the, an idea that comes from the pit of hell. That I can come and redeem without going to the cross. No, it's the cross and then the crown. Unless he suffered and died for us, we would have no life in him. Well, the context of this particular response is 
Very amazing. Deuteronomy 6.13 and Deuteronomy 10.20. He actually draws from two passages in Deuteronomy when he says, uh, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The first Deuteronomy 6.13, and it is the giving of the greatest commandment, which is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. There's no possible way if you love the Lord your God with all that's in you, that you're going to bow down and worship anything or anyone but him. And there's another passage, it's Deuteronomy 10, 20. The context here is Moses receiving the second set of the Ten Commandments. You know, of course, that Moses was the greatest sinner ever. He broke all Ten Commandments at once. And uh, so, hey, that's stuff that they use in the Sunday school, ain't it, Alberto? And if not, next time. But anyway... The deal is, is, is Moses is getting the second set of, of, of the, the Ten Commandments. And that's the context that, that Deuteronomy 10.20 uh, gives us. And, and so Jesus is drawing from Deuteronomy 6.13, from Deuteronomy 10.20. And it's a reminder again. It's, it's not enough to know God's word. We must obey it to defend ourselves and use it to defeat the enemy. Ephesians rightly calls God's word the sword of the spirit a perfect weapon for those engaged in spiritual warfare. Verse nine says, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now we looked at this one. This is of course, right out of Psalm 91. And here's the interesting thing. As he takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, it's again, he knows who Jesus is. He knows even what he's come to do. He knows Jesus ultimately will judge him. And what he's trying to do is say, hey, just throw yourself down. You, you want to show everybody who you are? Make a splash, you know, uh, literally. And uh, but, but don't worry because you throw yourself off. The angels will protect you. And check it out. Satan says, it is written. Made mention earlier because I wanted to make sure to reinforce the point, not just say it once or even twice. Satan is quoting from the word of God in an effort to defeat Jesus, to defile Jesus, to derail Jesus, to destroy Jesus. He's quoting God's word. Listen, that's exactly what the cults do. And I think they get it from Satan. I think they either just don't know or they're worshiping the wrong God. And, and he's like, hey, let me show you something here. And they're like, okay. And, and, and this is why it's so important that we know the word of God in its context, not just a verse here and there, not just something where we kind of turn and put our finger and say, oh, wow, a word for me. No, we need to know the book from Genesis to Revelation so that the Holy Spirit can do what he promises to do, bring to our remembrance the things he's taught us. So here's the twist. Satan takes from the word, but he ignores, of course, the context of the word. How does Psalm 91 begin? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. The very next verse says, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He's saying, hey, the enemy will set a trap, but I'll deliver you. And here's something else. The very next verse, after the verse that Satan is quoting in order to get Jesus to, well, in this case, you know, throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. It'll be like the enemy telling you, jump out of the plane. You don't need a parachute. God will catch you. Hey, maybe he will, but I wouldn't put him to the test. 
You know, there's a promise if you drink anything deadly, it won't harm you. God gave that to his missionaries he was sending out to reach the world. He's saying, you go to Mexico, I'll protect you from the water. If you go over here, I'll protect you from the food. But, but check this out. The person that foolishly just says, oh, well, I can do whatever I want then and I'll be fine. It's not that kind of promise. And that's the enemy taking the word and twisting the word and distorting the word in order to destroy the people of God. Well, Satan ignores the context. I got to read you the very next verse. You'll love this. And I'm wondering, does Satan think Jesus won't remember this? It says in their hands, they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Verse 13 of Psalm 91 says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, the serpent you shall trample underfoot. That takes us back to the curse in the garden after Satan tempted Eve, who saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the same three ways that John tells us will be tempted. The same three areas Jesus is here tempted. Man, Jesus not only picks a verse when he deals, but he, he picks a context. And it's so important that even when the enemy uses it, there's a context and the context says, man, if I were you, I wouldn't have picked that passage. But that's the enemy, you know, he's smart, but he's not that smart. Well, Jesus says to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Let me give you the context of this. It's Deuteronomy 6 again. This is the giving of the Shema and the greatest commandment and that command to teach your children formally and informally and write the word on your forehead and and on the, the uh, lintels of your house and wear them on your wrist. I mean, just it's all this be in the word and be in the word and be obedient to the word. And then he says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, small g, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. So Jesus again just goes back to Deuteronomy and he says, hey, this is what the word says and this is what I'm going to do. Now we read in verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him and take note of it until an opportune time. The battle was won, but the war wasn't over and the enemy of our souls persistent. He's like, you know, our governor. He, he'll be back. And that's what this is saying. He never tires of tempting. He never tires of accusing. He never tires of trying to defile and derail and destroy the people of God. So here's the biblical prescription. You don't need a seminar. You don't need a tape series. You don't need a book on the subject. The scripture is so clear. If you want to defeat the enemy, if you want to overcome temptation, submit to God. First step. Second, resist the devil. Then he will flee. That's exactly what we see in the passage. passage. Submit to God. You put your trust in him. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. He'll direct you. He will because you belong to him. You resist the devil. How do you do it? You know the word. You stand on the word. You obey the word. You use the word. The promises you do that and he will flee. Well, again, James tells us the man who overcomes temptation will be blessed. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, let him who th thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. And here's a promise. God is faithful 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I love that God will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I can endure and that he will always give me a way out. However, I have to confess, it's much easier not to face the temptation in the first place. Matthew 26, 41 tells us to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, knowing that the flesh is weak, wisdom tells me to avoid getting into any situation that may bring about temptation. However, that's not always going to keep me out of the path of the tornado. So my ultimate desire is that God would remove all desire of sin from me, and that's my prayer every day. In Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, we have a promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. A new heart that shuns sin is a lot better than doing battle with my flesh. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.